Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We are joined by number one U Sports draft pick, New Wanderer and Capers legend, Corey Bent. Chris, James, Carlos and Andy also joined us to ask Corey some questions. You can follow us as always on Facebook and on Instagram. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pull podcast. Uh, we are lucky to be joined by Cape Breton legend and uh, U Sports national champion, uh, Corey Bent. Thanks for joining us, Corey. No problem, no problem. Um, we're also joined by Carlos, James and Chris. How's it going, guys? Not too bad. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, so I thought I would uh, kick off the questions first and then we'll just get into it. So... Corey, uh, you're from Preston, right? Yeah. So how does a lad from Preston end up playing in Sydney, Nova Scotia at Cape Breton University? Uh, it's, a, it's a funny story. Um, so like I said, like I was playing football back home um, and eventually at some point, if you're not playing pro, then you have to play and work at the same time. Um, I was around 17, 18 doing this. Like wasn't really for me. And then uh, it's a bit weird, actually. My brother who also played, he just upped and stuff and went to went to Dubai to coach. And I was like, well, if he can do that, then I want to go somewhere too. And then I got in touch with an agency. Uh, I'll give him a little shout out, actually. They're called Soccer Smart. Uh, they help a lot of lads um, from the UK go overseas, mainly to Australia and the US and Canada. So I got in touch with them and they were able to find me a school. And Dino, the head coach at uh, Cape Breton, uh, was the first to contact me. You know, I talked to a couple of the other schools, some from the States, um, but Dino and Cape Breton was really the place that resonated with me. So uh, that's how I ended up there, yeah. Nice one there. Dino's a bit of a legend, huh? Yeah, he's a, he's a really great guy, first and foremost. You know, like I put that before, um, anything he's done for me uh, in terms of the football pitch, you know, I can always rely on him, um, regardless of my situation, to help me out, so... Um, yeah, I really respected him, especially after my four years at Cape Breton. Definitely um, turned the program around up there. Um, they've had a success for quite a, a few years. Yeah, it's been great. You know, we've had a lot of, like, the team's been the same probably now for three of my four years. But uh, my first year, we had around 11 rookies. Um, you know, him, Scott, Vernon, some of the other coaches had a plan. And in our second year, it, it paid off for us. Um, and then we kicked on ever since then. You know, we were really a uh, close-knit group of people off the field as well as a good group on the field. So, yeah, like the standards at the program uh, after Dino took over completely changed. I can only see them getting better as well. So, uh, you know, I'll always be part of Cape Breton. They'll always be part of me. Yeah, I hope to see them to keep going the way that they're going. Corey, I'm just wondering uh, what the when was the first time you heard about the the Canadian Premier League? I heard about it when everybody else heard about it. Honestly, like it, you know, like it was it was after I moved overseas. I think it was in my my second year at university where where the rumbling started happening, uh, and all of a sudden, like all these university players um, have some sort of pathway to to professional that wasn't there when I first arrived here, you know, that wasn't my original plan. And then when there were talks about it, obviously me playing USL two the year before that, and then coming back into U sports and seeing what player pools and what options I might have. Um, then it started to get a bit more serious, but yeah, like it was, I didn't hear about it any later or any earlier than anyone else. I think I was on the same boat as, as most people. And then what did, uh, you know, I, I guess you knew, Peter before he went off to play with the Wanderers so what kind of impression did you get through him well I've actually lived uh, with Pete for four years unfortunately 
Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, he's uh, like he's—I'd say like he's one of the the closest people I have to me right now, uh, inside and outside of football. Anyway, um, so you know, I can always trust his opinion. He only told me good things about the club. You know, I was able to watch—I watched the whole season last year, and you know, I'm always in constant contact with my friends that are around. And Pete was—he was really happy that everything, like the way the club conducted themselves. Um, he said he was happy to be a part of the club and he's happy to still be on the East Coast. So I know the East Coast was a massive thing for him that he wanted to stay here. So that was great. And it was great that I could come down and join him. You know, like I've, it's probably coming up our fifth year together playing. So um, hopefully that can continue. So your dad was pretty much a former Burnley and Blackburn player. He was a winger, I think, junior bent. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit more about like, how was growing up with that pedigree of a family. Like pretty much you guys breed football in that household. So tell us if you have any funny stories, any. Yeah, he always, like like I say, um, it's it's great that he's he's never put any pressure on me. I have one older brother. Um, he's never put any pressure on us to be more than, than what we wanted to be or take it more than we wanted to go but he's always been the supporter of, of everything we do, regardless of that being me going to university or playing football elsewhere. You know, I didn't really have much option in which sport I was going to play, but you know, it's always great to have someone around that, that not everybody else has the access to. Um, and luckily it's part of my family. So, you know, like a, a lot of father's days when hopefully when I'm home, sometimes like we all just go and play, uh, how I play a bit of two touch. I'm always taking, <laughs> I'm always cackling on my dad about his technique, how it's not as good as mine and stuff. But uh, no, you know, he's, a, he's a really good mentor to have available to me like 24-7. It doesn't matter what time I can pick up the phone and always call my dad and he's, I know he's going to have good sound advice. But like I said, yeah, he's always been my biggest supporter in terms of whatever I want to do, which I think is is actually massive because, you know, like, I feel like some parents might might not see it the same way if they wanted to do if they did well then they would push their kids to a point where they didn't, might not even want to play anymore. Um that was never the case for me, you know, I took some time out of football my dad. He really helped me out with that. He was like you don't have to do it if you don't want to. And that that was when our love for the game came back and then once again he was on my back to now push and and if I want to take it far, take it seriously. So yeah, I don't think he's a, no funny stories. He's not really that funny. He's kind of serious, but uh, <laughs> but he's he's given me a lot of good advice over the years that that for me is irreplaceable, especially given where I am right now. That's great. He was like your first coach. Yeah, well, he actually, he coached me at Preston for five of my six years there. So like, I can't get away from him, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So you have him and Charlotte now. <laughs> yeah. I do, yeah, yeah. He's great. Junior Bent, uh, Bristol City legend, huh? Somewhat. He likes to call <laughs> Yeah, he likes to call <laughs> In all honesty, though, I've only ever heard that he is a legend from any <laughs> Bristol City supporter I talk to. Your, your, your father's at least a cult legend, that's for sure. <laughs> kind of trailed in from Carlos's question about your upbringing. You, you started out with the Manchester United Academy, or did you have any roots before that? What was that like training at Carrington Ground if you did? Um, and if you didn't, was your early career ambitions to be a professional footballer like your father? Or you were talking about you had no choice of a different sport. Did you have something that was kind of in the back of your mind at a young age that um, maybe you didn't get sparked because football was, like you were saying, the, the heartbeat of the house? No, I think I always knew that I wanted to, to play football in some sort of capacity. I don't know if I knew that it could take me across the Atlantic Ocean or anything at the time. Probably not. But um I think it was football, like, it's, it's all we did. Like, it, I know where I'm from, like, it's the culture to play football. Like, I used to play football on the streets all the time with my friends inside the house, in the garden. Like, it was everywhere where I could get an opportunity to. In terms of training at Carrington, yeah, I did train at Carrington uh, for awesome. a year and a half. It was, like, that, that for me, I think, because it was so early, that's what kind of knocked me off balance in terms of, like, wondering whether this is really what I want to do because they were so... If you're at Manchester United at that age, the professional then, you know? Yeah. Like, I was still learning to, to fall in love with the game and have fun with it. And when I went to Manchester United, uh, briefly, I felt like, for me, at that age, 
and goes eight or nine, like it took the fun out of it. So it wasn't like, that's when I started to think, is this really for me? And then I went back uh, to my home team, who's Preston. I signed there and like, I had a lot more fun with people that I was closer to that I knew that were from the area. And that's where I developed all the, the skills I would say I have now, um, or at least the foundations of them. So um, yeah, like I said, like sport for for the main part, it was football. Like it was always on the TV. It's all that's talked about in the house. Um, my mum doesn't mind it, which is amazing somehow. We <laughs> 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 talk about it for the past twenty six years or whatever. So, um, but no, I think football in the back of my mind. I think that's I always knew that's what I wanted to do. Well, that's great because I mean, you were just saying how the the pressures, I guess, of Manchester United could really deflate. I suppose the motivations of a lot of young guys. So. Yeah. You were just talking about your father's support. That was probably a foundation for you as well to keep going once you came back to Preston. You said he coached you for five out of the six years? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I it, it's fantastic because, I mean, I, I've been telling people over the last few months I had the opportunity of seeing you play when you were at Cape Breton um, in a professional capacity working with you sports. And I tell people all the time, don't underestimate this kid. He's a blur. And That's your technical good. ability is fantastic too. And and just getting this insight from you, it's great because we get to see where those roots came from. Yeah, it's nice. Like it's nice to be able to tell a story too that, that I feel like people might be able to resonate with, especially kids mainly Nova Scotia or across Canada or even back home for me to know that like you don't have to know that you want to play this game at eight, nine, just have fun with it first. And then if you really fall in love with it, then you'll know, but it's not a big deal if you don't, you know, so... Um, I think patience is actually is massive, but yeah, I like I said, like this is just the path that it took me on. Not everyone's path is the same, so. So your your time at Preston, uh, do you think you learned the the most from there? All of my foundational stuff, really, how to play in um, in on the wide areas. I've always been. I was a fullback at first, and then I was a winger. Positional sense how to use the tools that you have to your advantage and a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of technical stuff as well, you know, like at the age of like nine, 10, that's, that's what you learn from the basics and the foundations to opening up all that kind of stuff. That was the main things I learned there and I was able to, to develop it. After I left Preston, I just went and played uh, like a rec league, Sunday league. Um, and that was really what made me want to come overseas um so there was that and then you know I, I think honestly after that it was more watching the game at a higher level that allowed me to develop or build on what I'd already developed that I sometimes did you don't even know you have um it's just subconscious so yeah I think those are the fundamentals were mostly what I learned there it's a it's a great example for as you're saying like for people back home like there's so many kids that kind of fall off the uh the football trail that um just don't know what to do with themselves that there's these opportunities out there and it's it's a great example for them to get to see the world a little bit because obviously you do your yts thing or whatever and yeah you're kind of left on the scrap heap a little bit yeah um so yeah. you're you're a great example to those kind of kids to um to, to know that there's other stuff out there yeah you know like football it's, it's sometimes it's hard to see past it but football doesn't start and end in england but but like people would think so you know there's opportunities elsewhere but like because it's supposedly the mecca or whatnot of the highest level of football, you think if they can't make it there, they can't make it anywhere. Um, but, you know, that's just a start. There's so many other opportunities all over the world. Uh, and football will take, it'll take you there regardless. So, um, you know, there's always opportunities. So I guess my advice would just be to stay on the lookout at all times because, like I said, I, I didn't expect to be in Canada. Like it was like a three-month turnaround for me working a nine to five job to me now being in university playing at a high level so based on your stats you play 36 matches and you scored 24 goals and eight assists if i'm not mistaken i think so yeah that's a very impressive stat for being a player um tell us a little bit more about like do you normally when you play i know like you love the game and you want to play no matter what but do you normally play attention to your numbers you want to do you have any personal record that you want to accomplish would you want to translate that to the wonders grounds because i'm sure that the grounds will be crazy about like cheering for you and scoring your goals when you score your goals sorry i don't think i, I would say personal goals uh, i'd rather be 
a piece of a team that's that's winning and working well um regardless of my numbers you know if for me I know that if I'm playing well the numbers will come but if I think about the numbers then I might not necessarily be playing well but I might be like it's it's kind of hard it's not something it's something I try not to concentrate on too much because that'll throw me off I'd rather just play you know play free without any restrictions without any objectives other than winning the game as a team like I said I think it's it's, it's more valuable for me personally being part of a team that's working and playing well than just me scoring goals or we still lose games that doesn't mean anything to me but in terms of bringing it to the Wanderers grounds yeah you know I had a couple of chats with Stephen uh before before all this happened and and he said I'm the kind of player that he's looking for someone that not only directly scores goals but tries to assist as well so hopefully yeah that my hopefully my game will translate uh on the professional level I'm hoping you know I was I was able to to be at the Wanderers grounds last year I think once just in August and it was great to see the atmosphere that's on the east coast that that hasn't really been replicated anywhere else as far as I can see so uh hopefully we can get the season going and and you know we can go out there in front of you guys and and play well so you were you talked to Steven I'm assuming um I'm wondering if do you have a chat with him like last season maybe a potential opportunity for you coming for this year for the Wonders? Um, it wasn't so much that it was the, uh, it was the, I can't remember what the game is like an exhibition game against a, a German team. Um, that was two years ago. I think I was, just, I think I'd just flown out to Victoria to play USL, but you know, I like, I hadn't spoken too much directly to Steven, but it filtered through my coach. So he would say to Dino, obviously this is what I'm looking for. Um, and apparently I fit the bill for what he was looking for. So, you know, I tried not not to change my game too much because if I'm what I'm looking for, then I don't need to change my game to, to be what he expects me to be. You know, he's brought me in hopefully for a reason because I do what I do. So um, before I actually ask my question, you said that you were playing USL. Were you playing for Highlanders when you were going up to Victoria? Yeah, I played for the Highlanders in 2018. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I don't know how the hell I missed that, but interesting. So you played with no, Peter? I with Peter. No, no, yeah, Just, I did. I played with Pete, yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, I know it's different comparing North American sports to sports over in Europe. They don't really have drafts and stuff over there. So what's it feel like to be that first overall draft pick in a professional sports league? I know it's probably a different kind of feeling for somebody who comes from a background where there aren't those sports that have that. But um, what did the process work like? Like, did you speak to Halifax much in advance? Did you find out when we found out? Um, what was your expectation before the draft? Did you um, even do the whole go out with your buddies and have drinks and get a haircut type thing, or was it really personal? Basically, explain to us that whole draft day experience. Ever since I came here, um, I have a couple of friends. Obviously, I went to a Canadian school, so I got into the NBA and whatnot and the basketball. So I got a bit of a feel for how how like uh, important and special a draft night should be for any athlete that gets drafted uh, in any capacity. So I found out when you guys did, you know, we're just a couple of days back from nationals, not so much travel this time, only Montreal back to, to Cape Breton. So it was short. Um, we just had a lot of friends in one room, like pretty much the whole team uh, watching the draft go down. You know, we were hoping that we would have a couple of guys in that we never expected to go like one and two. Uh, me and Marcus, um, you know, it was an overwhelming feeling. And, uh, we were both both very surprised, but both very proud of ourselves first and foremost. Like this is what we've been working towards for probably the past two years when we figured out that the draft was a thing. Um, you know, other players like Isaiah, a uh, young boy from Toronto, people like him getting drafted. You know, it's special to see. Um, mainly just where the programs come. You know, like we we felt a lot of gratitude uh, towards our program, towards the teams that had picked us. Um, and it's a really exciting day for, for everyone, you know, like we, as a team, we support each other in all endeavors. So, you know, like I, I wouldn't have gone number one without the help of any of my teammates or coaches or even professors, stuff like it goes beyond that, athletic directors. Um, it goes beyond all that, you know, there's so many people that go into to one athlete being successful um, and then the program itself. So, yeah, it was really exciting, a really exciting day for us all. 
Um, you know, we were just huddled around a little TV and everyone was in the same room. Uh, it's great energy in there. So yeah, that's how that's how that went down. Well, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. It's, it's it's even more special because, like you said, you kind of embraced North American sport, the whole importance and the whole glamour that comes with the draft day experience. Yeah. So good for you to have that that first overall feeling. And and I like your attitude too. You're talking about your teammates and how you guys were all in that room, maybe expected, maybe unexpected getting drafted, but you still got to share that memory with teammates. Exactly. Not a lot of guys get that kind of um, that kind of experience for the most part in a lot of other sports. So it was really cool that you guys got that. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice for everyone. You know, that's is is about everyone at the end of the day. Like I said, like no one athlete does it by himself. So um, yeah, it was a really special moment for us all. Yeah, I was interested in hearing you talk about uh, you know getting into basketball while you while you're here, Corey. And it made me wonder what it was like coming from uh, a country that you know, as you say, you know, is kind of an epicenter of, of football and having such a football focused life, and to to come to a country where it's uh, pretty far down the. Uh, down the list of uh, of sports and in interested sports here. I mean, it's 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 an interesting moment because, of course, now we're we've got national league and we're building toward uh, World Cup twenty twenty six and all that stuff. But yeah, just wondering how it felt. It must have been quite a contrast coming from a place where uh, you know there were dozens, if not hundreds, of professional and semi professional clubs all over the place to uh, to Canada, where uh, it was a bit of an also ran. Um. I'd say like it it was difficult at first, but uh at Cape Breton there's a lot of internationals. So like I wasn't in I wasn't in the boat on my own, you know, we have a lot of guys from the UK that were going through the same thing. I think the main thing that, that kinda hit us all in the face was was the travel. Um to away games. I probably back home wouldn't travel more than like two hours for an away game and two hours would be quite far. Um but now I'm used to these eight-hour coach rides down to, to the valley and coming back on like the day after, stuff like that. So um, in terms of football, like it's you just play football, you know, like it doesn't it doesn't matter where you are, what stadium, who you're playing against. Um, it's about you and your team and, and, and their energy. So uh, the football, honestly, not so different, maybe just because I played with a lot of Europeans uh in Cape Breton, but, uh, you know, even over the summers when I've played USL two, like it's been the same, like there's just been a lot of travel, but you get used to it. You know, I, I adapted pretty quick to it in my four years and now it doesn't seem like such a big hassle, but in my first year, it would be like pretty much all every, everything I moaned about was around the travel. <laughs> so yeah, it, it wasn't too bad. Actually, it was, there was a bit of a learning curve, but other than that, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. So just, just been listening to the guys on the Instagram feed with the, uh, the questions with the Wanderers, yeah. your name's been brought up an awful lot about how people are surprised at how good you are. Are, are you, do you feel like that pressure? As you said, you, you're the number one draft and stuff like that. Do you feel a bit of pressure on your shoulders coming into the, in, into the new team? I don't think so. I think the only pressure that, that I would ever have is is me putting pressure on myself and you know I'm coming into a new league where I played against players that I don't know uh, of high standards so like the, the pressures for me is already there but not in, in great amounts and then I don't feel the need to put any extra pressure on myself I think I've always been like that like I, I like playing in high pressure moments um I like I like getting the ball when it when it really matters, you know. Um, that's just how, how I've always been. Uh, so I feel like yeah, I don't really need to put any more pressure on myself. And like being the number one draft pick, that was really nice. But at, at the end of the day, there's 14 people out of the draft that were fighting for contracts at other clubs. It doesn't for me. It doesn't matter whether I went one through 14. Um, I know there's good players in the draft that, and the the order could have gone mixed anyway. It's a lot about the team needs. So. No, I, I, honestly, I don't feel any pressure, you know, like I'm comfortable in the environment. Uh, I'm close to where I've been for the past four years with people that I know. You know, I know a couple of people in Halifax, the Valley and whatnot. So, you know, I, I'm I'm comfortable here. Not too comfortable, but I'm comfortable. So, yeah, I think it's more excitement than pressure. I know, you've only, I know you only trained for two weeks. How did you find the standard of the squad? Good. It was great, actually. Like, I, I, there's a lot of players... 
that I've played against before, like uh, Abu Omar. I uh, played against those guys in, in great games, um, and you'd be surprised. Like you'd think that you'd have to play with someone to know to know like how they play, but playing against them is just as the same. But the standard's been great. You know, everyone's holding each other accountable, also supporting each other too. So along with the standard, I think we've got a really good just group of guys here, which is very like for me anyway that's that's just as important as having talent so yeah the the two weeks were good we didn't really get too far in terms of tactics or anything but um the two weeks were, the same, were definitely good yeah. uh you and peter were selected for the u.s sports team of the year mm -hmm. and uh i'm wondering like you peter and charlie waters were a powerhouse in cape breton university um now playing with peter pretty much follows up that same chemistry on the pitch. I'm wondering if the absence of Charlie Waters between you and Peter can be covered by another of the strikers that you see on the Wonders now. Yeah. Uh, like Charlie's Charlie's a great player and he's he actually from from back home he lives about 10 minutes away from me and he played for Blackpool so our our play type similar. He's he usually I don't play up front but this year I'd played up front with him and I developed a great connection with him. You know, you see that I like we would pass, assess, score together. But no, like it, I think what Pete like. Luckily for me, what what I can take from Pete is I can trust him to do his job, so I don't have to worry too much about the defensive side because I know that they're going to be solid. In terms of Charlie, yeah, uh, for sure I'm going to miss him as a player. But um, you know, people are going to move around all the time, so I, I don't think that you can become too reliant on any one player to for your game. If you know what I mean, like I, I feel like it's important that you're adaptable to any situation where you might just be like, like I said, he he went to somewhere else and I came somewhere else. So I'm pretty sure he's having the same thoughts. But I, if I know Charlie well enough, he's he's good on his own. <laughs> he'll he'll be fine. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't have to worry about him because he's he's a good player. You know, like it it doesn't matter who they are if they're good players, then you should be fine. Is there any of the current Wonder Strikers that remind you of Charlie Waters? The way they play, the styles, the pace on the pitch? Maybe not Charlie. Charlie's a bit of a weird one. He's he, he doesn't fit into a box. He's kinda hard to describe. I think that's that's why he works so well. He's not he's not exactly well he is, he's an out and out number nine. Ibra might be a bit like him. like a clinical, strong, but uh Charlie's a bit is versatile as well, which I think helped us a lot because you you didn't know if I was going to run down the channels or he was going to go or I was going to stay. I think Ibra's more of a solid number nine, which is is hard to come by nowadays, um, and it's nice for me to have to to play off. So um, no, Charlie's is like is like half a number nine and half a half a winger. He's a bit of a hybrid, but uh, I say Ibra. If there was going to be anyone, it'd be Ibra. Yeah. Charlie would appreciate you calling him a weird one, but um... <laughs> <laughs> the players that are adaptable like that are normally the weird ones, anyways. Man, you got to be nuts to play multiple positions. Exactly. <laughs> well, I guess you said you used to play fullback. When when did you kind of grow to that and become the attacking player? Was it when you came to Canada? Was it when you were at Preston? Was it a tactical change? It's when I got fast. I didn't used to be fast. <laughs> like uh, it was about at the age of fourteen. Um, we were at Preston and uh, another fullback got uh, got signed and I just moved up a position. So like I, I got used to playing there from now on. It'd be, now I think it'd be weird for me to, to drop back down to fullback because I've just been playing on either wing like so frequently since then. I've played more games probably in the past four years than I have done for a while in England, you know, playing two games a weekend is, is, uh, is very enjoying. But uh, no, it's uh, around 14. It wasn't so much, I guess, not a tactical change, but a personnel change. And I moved forward a spot and he slotted in at right back. Uh, so, yeah, that's how that happened. Not tactical, but you said it. You you found the pace. You found the, the speed in your game. So for the manager, it was kind of a no-brainer at that yeah. point. Make this <laughs> signing. Maybe not saying that you're not good a good defender. As far as I'm concerned, you're you're a, a pressing winger. You're You're fantastic in defending from the front. Was that something that also made it easier for you to transition tactically? And, and was that something that they saw in Cape Breton? Because I used to say to people all the time, you I thought you were a Scotian boy the first couple of times <laughs> I watched you play because your your style and the, and, and the way you play the game 
gear five all the time, but with a good tech technical ability, you reminded me of a lot of the guys I grew up playing with. Did you learn at Cape Breton um, about your game? What really developed your game at Cape Breton as opposed to your development overseas? I think confidence. Uh, Dino, as a coach, is a great is a great uh, manager of people. I came in there with like next to no confidence, and uh, he brought things out of my game that were probably already there, and he could probably see them. But when I came there, I didn't know they were there. He's he's great at bringing that out of people, like you see it with uh, other players like Jack Simpson, Ewan Bold, and and even Pete. You know, Pete's always been this six foot three German fridge. But like he, he's come. I feel like he's come a long way uh, in what he's been doing, um, and just creating great connections with others. I say my link up play has been one thing that I've, that's come around a lot since I've been at Cape Breton, just because uh, of the chemistry you're able to build when you when you live with the same guys, you eat with the same guys, you go to class with the same guys. That's always going to come. But uh, yeah, I just say the confidence. Uh, a massive confidence boost like each year I've been at Cape Brown. That could be a new nickname for Pete then, uh, the German fridge. <laughs> I just thought, I just looked it up on Google. Cool shrink. <laughs> Sounds, pretty- <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. Hey. Hey, Corey. Hey. Um, yeah, I just a quick question. Um, obviously, you've, I'm like, like yourself from, from England. Um, and as usual over there, obviously the football season runs from August through to to May usually. So I'd just like to like get your thoughts on how how you find playing over the summer and like kind of obviously a lot of the pitches in the UK as well are obviously grass and and obviously some pitches are obviously plastic pitches over here and, and things like that. So how have you adapted your game to to kind of playing in the summer? Obviously it's a lot hotter than 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 it is back home and. Obviously, the surfaces like the surfaces are a bit harder and, and things like that. Um, I think you just get used to it. You know, I, like at the end of the day, I'd rather be playing than than not playing. Like it is, I think the the hardest part for me to get my my head around is the off season and how long it is playing in the summer. Like we have summer leagues back home; they're not they're not like the highest standard, but you can play in the summer. It's not as hot, but um, the pitches are dry, the ground is dry. You know, like. The, the conditions don't differ too greatly, but um, yeah, I think it's not even the the play in the season; it's the off season that that's really hard for to get around here, just because it it's long. It's long, like you see, it snowed today. Uh, yeah, it's already so <laughs> so like it's hard to it's hard to keep to keep pace through the off season unless you've got somewhere to train. I mean, luckily we had we have the dome up in Cape Breton which helped massively, you know, like some schools don't have a dome, so I don't know how they, they get through January to, to April. But um, i definitely say it's the off-season that, uh, that's the most difficult. I guess the the elephant in the room is this whole thing that's been going on. I kind of made a rule for myself that I wouldn't really talk to any of the players about the whole COVID-19 thing delaying the start of the season. But in your case, it's a special circumstance because this is the beginning of your professional career, aside from... Mm-hmm what you've done overseas as a youth player, as well as your time with Victoria. Um, You said that you had a lot of schoolwork you still had to get done. So that more or less answers the first part of my question. Um, What keeps you motivated through these, these times? Because I'm sure for yourself, like a lot of the guys that have been pros for a while, this is brand new. And I guess the second part of my question is how difficult is that acclimating to the city? I know that you guys traveled here a couple times a year to play against Dal and Smew. And like you said, you've got friends and have gotten to know people in in and around town. But um, has that been difficult? Is is there a plan for you to attack that maybe going forward? Um, I'd say so. Yeah, I just I think I have to I have to just get in and around the city. You know, like there's there's no way around. Just like if I just stay at home all day, which is pretty much all I can do right now. Hopefully, yeah. this passes as quick as possible. But just being in and around the city. You know, like I, I'm, I'm familiar with about downtown, and that's pretty much it. Um, okay, okay. In terms of staying motivated, you know, I think it's it has to be internal. Like, there's for me, this is this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. And now the situation has come around. I just have to wait a little bit longer. But you know, I can't I can't rest on the laurels because I know that other people are working and just as hard as I am for the opportunity that I have. So, um, you know, I, I feel like it. 
I've been given an opportunity and I can't just allow it to go to waste by letting this situation uh, dampen everything that I've pretty much worked for since however long, you know, like this is just an extra, it might be an extra couple of months of work, which in the grand scheme of things um, isn't massive. You know, I should be able to get over that. No problem. It should be an internal motivation for me and it has been so far. So uh, that's how I've been dealing with this COVID-19 situation. Good for you, brother. Good for you. And I, I mean, it must be difficult seeing the situation back home, too. And we're not going to talk about all that mumble jumble with the politics and all that. But yeah. it must be hard to see what's going on. Is your family good? Like, are you in contact regularly with your family? Is is the situation over there similar to what it is over here? Um, It's a little more serious over there. I think that it it'll probably spread quicker in Europe just because of how easy it is to travel there. And and geographically, they're not as I think England or the UK might be like the size of Nova Scotia, with like 60, 60 million people or something like that. So just the the population density is so much higher. But you know, I think once they start taking it seriously, then then that's when things will start to calm down. Um, but us being English aren't the brightest uh, or the most serious group of of people there is. So. Um, I don't know. I speak to my family a lot. Um, they're all fine. They just moved into a new house that's a bit in the farmland, so they're away from most things anyways. Um, but they're getting on with it. So uh, I know my dad's in high spirits, so my mum's in high spirits. So um, I'm hoping they can stay safe. Well, that's good to hear, brother. Good to hear. Uh, Manchester United. Oh, for fuck's yeah. sake. Yes. <laughs> I just want five bucks. <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ. I had an Arsenal fan on and now a fucking United fan. This is like turning into a nightmare, man. Jesus. Does anybody in the world follow Tottenham apart from me? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I've literally got one friend. One friend. Is that me? <laughs> two, I suppose, then uh, two. The uh, classic question that I normally ask to every player uh, what are your top three players that you, of all time, that you admire? At your position or any other position? Number one, Zinedine Zidane. Uh, I think he's the greatest player in the game. Number two, Ronaldinho. Number three, I think it's just a split between Messi and Ronaldo. I I can't split them up personally just because they brought so much to the game and to to what kids and professionals alike do. Um, And they've dominated the game as a pair for the past, you know, eight, nine years. So I think it's really hard for me to split them. If if anything, I'm just going to say Ronaldo because he was at United. But, you know, for the for the simple purity of the game, uh, Lionel Messi's unmatched. So, um, yeah, that'd be my top three slash four. Split them. Good taste, good taste. Yeah. <laughs> Euro, 20, Euro 2020 has been cancelled. Mm-hmm. Uh, with England having such a young squad, do you think the extra year is going to help them? I think... Honestly, I thought they were ready. Not not maybe like immaturity wise, but but like we've had a lot of young players that have been that have been held back and I think that's not a, whether it's a tactical or not, I don't know. But I thought they were ready to, you know, they were chomping at the bit and we've got a lot of a great talent coming out of England right now. Um and a lot of them developing overseas too, so I mean an extra year is not gonna do any harm. Um, but I thought this year, honestly, I thought they were going to give it a really good go and hopefully make it to the final or the semi-final at least. But uh, yeah, I was kind of upset about that. But um, a year won't hurt. You know, you can get some more experience playing wherever you are. Um, but international experience, I guess, is is unrivaled to any sort of experience. So yeah, well, I guess we'll just see how it goes in uh, 2021. I definitely think you guys are going to be uh, one of the, the teams to, to watch. So um, there's so many young players coming through as you said it's going to be pretty exciting for you I do like what Corey said there though about them being ready I kind of felt like Southgate got that momentum right now like from 2018 like I felt like 2020 England were going to be able to beat some of the nations that were maybe seen as a little bit stronger on paper because yeah. they had that motivation so I'm disappointed because I think to answer Anthony's question that he asked you, I think it kind of hurts England in a way because, like you said, those kids are chomping at the bit yeah. to get going. Ah, it sucks because I, I mean, I'm Canadian, but I do support England. I've always supported England. Uh, growing up a Manchester United supporter myself, I love David Beckham, love Paul Scholes, 
Did you ever make it to Old Trafford? And if you did, what was that experience like? Yeah, I did actually. Like it's 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 one of the greatest stadiums in the world. There's not many words to describe it when you started the Stratford end. Um but you know, like you get to see all your favourite players play on one of the most beautiful pitches in the world. There's there's not many feelings that, that match that. So um yeah, the atmosphere is always amazing. Always amazing. It's always packed. You know, you can't you can't beat that. So especially when it's under the lights uh on a UCL night. So yeah. It's amazing. How many matches did you go to? Not too many. Uh, I'm a little bit outside Manchester, about 45 minutes, so it's hard to get in there. Yeah. And tickets are hard to come by. Um, but I've been to about probably between 15, 20. Oh, Jay, well, I mean, that's no, that's yeah. no slouch, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> more, more than a red like me can say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh it's more or less for a good buddy of mine. His name's Mark Twig. He lives over actually in London and he's a big, big, big Charlton Athletic fan. Um uh, so similar to Anthony, you have a cousin who once played for them. Mm-hmm. I was wondering what your relationship with Darren was like. Um, if there were any memories, if he like your father was the type of person that gave you any any advice, any uh criticism of your game or, or motivated you at all, or was he kind of that like distant I'm too big for you kind of cousin. Um, you don't have to tell me too much dirt, but what was it kind of like having a, a, an England international basically in your family? Unfortunately, it was a lot. It's kind of distant. I don't think it was like I'm too big for you or anything. Yeah. Think, like a lot of the times our paths didn't cross. I'm from the north. He's from the south. You know, like it's, I don't live like my family of my parents, my immediate family don't live in the same place as, as the rest of my family do. So occasions don't cross too often which is unfortunate but i know he's like he cares you know like it's it's family regardless so that's pretty much all i can say on that yeah that's respectful brother because i think it's you know they saw your last name i saw your last name you know you just make the automatic connection oh they must talk every day blah 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 blah. but you know we we're all different family different um different uh i'm trying to think of the right word anthony um, different family trees, like we're all built in different ways and, and, and people to assume that you guys were that close. Like I kind of just did, you know, you guys all have your separate paths. You guys go your separate ways, but you can yeah. still be proud of his accomplishments from before. And, 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 exactly. and like you said, he, he cares about you. He cares your family at the end of the day. So it, it, it's kind of cool that you still at least have that connection though. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to, to, you know, it's just in the family, like football runs in the family as far as, as far as anyone's concerned. So um, it's nice to see anyone do well in any capacity, not just football, but for us, it's especially football. So (laughs) yeah, right on brother, right on. Well, thank you for coming on my man. No problem. I appreciate it. You were talking about Old Trafford there. Uh, Andy was actually there for England's game against Greece when Beckham scored that free kick. Wow. That's That's an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Like obviously the atmosphere, right? At the, like obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan, so I'm not a big fan of Old Trafford. But uh, yeah, just for that game, though, it was like the, leading up to the game. Obviously, everybody outside, and it was just obviously one of those games that England had to draw a win, and it was an unbelievable. Like obviously, Beckham last minute was incredible, really. Yeah, it was probably lifted the roof off. I imagine. I'm not English. But as an England supporter and as, as somebody who loved David Beckham, you know, I, I remember the 98 World Cup that could have dug his entire career into the ground. And to see him full circle be the reason why England made it to that 2002 World Cup, like a young kid like me, that was one of the early moments and memories in my life in sports that was just like, this is bigger than what it is like to see that entire country as a, as a young Canadian kid to see that entire country celebrating like that was, that was the moment I'll never forget in football yeah. personally. Like David Beckham was God. <laughs> Your tech be on the current status with the Premier League. Would you want to see it canceled and null and void to, to kind of prevent Liverpool from getting that title? Or would you just rather delay it and, and kind of finish it? When, when, whenever is a good time. I think the rest of England, barring Liverpool on the red side, would like to see it in one void. <laughs> but, honestly, I think I think they've 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 built something special in the club, so I think they you know they finally deserve it. Um, and it's hard to to say and swallow. 
as a United fan, but uh, football's a cycle. You know, Liverpool were where Manchester United are right now a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, it takes time to build things. Uh, and, I, and I think it'd be unfair to see it just null and void for Liverpool personally, as much as I hate them as a club. But uh, speaking, I think, honestly, I think it's they deserve it. You know, they're so far ahead now. Like, it, it'd be one of the weirdest things to happen. You know, it's a strange game, but this would be one of the weirdest things to happen. So um, I think they deserve it. You know, they've waited. They've bided the time for 30 years or whatnot. So um, hopefully you don't know and void it. Yeah, I don't think you can do that to a Premier League season. So um, When you were at Manchester United and, and with Preston, who were some of the guys that you played with and against that you kind of like have that feather in your cap? Maybe it's a defender that you nutmegged or, or somebody that was a teammate of yours that went on to do great things. Who were some of the people that you stayed in touch with or, or at least you have memories playing against? Um, honestly, I haven't stayed in touch with a lot of them. Um, you know, you go across country and whatnot, you play for other teams. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to keep up with, but I played, I did play like a lot of games against Scott McTominay. Um, I remember how good oh, okay. he was. Yeah. Like he, honestly, it's weird. He used to be like really small and he must've just had like a massive growth, but like he, he's always been a holding mid. I've never seen him move the ball before in a game. Honestly, like he's one of the most solid players I've ever played against you know he's he's from a, a little bit further north than I am so it's nice to see to see him do so well you know uh, any any local player from from any club it's nice to see them do well but he's he's killing it right now so uh, props to him so you you would have played against him when you were with Preston yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, awesome, awesome. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 30 myself, but I I'm, I'm kind of feel like a kid in a candy store because you, you, you hear the stories over here about those, those stories, but you don't yeah. actually get to hear it firsthand from a player. So <laughs> I'm sure you do have some special memories. Is there like a goal or something that you scored that, that stands out? Like, was there... Was there a goal that you scored to win a cup or, or a match or, or an equalizer that might have saved something that that you that really stands out about your experience overseas? Um, Joe, you know, it's hard. Like when you when you play the like I think it's changed now. But when you play youth system uh, in England, there's there's no league. So like, okay, so it's kind of weird. Like it's it's hard to from what I what I remember. Like it's hard it's hard to develop motivation and stuff when there's nothing to play for. You know, okay. like it's it's not easy, but like there was one goal against um, Burnley. You know, it's a rivalry. Nobody likes Burnley. It was literally the last minute of the game, and I've just I've just like struck it as sweet as possible from about thirty yards out, and it's gone bar down. It's a rivalry, you know. Like it's, it's scoring any goal in any in any derby game uh, is what is what we play for. Um, but that was one of the goals I do remember. And I cut him from the left-hand side. Um, I've opened up and I've just struck it as hard as I could, basically. I didn't even try to, to place it anywhere and it's just gone bar down. So um, that was one goal that I can remember vividly. Uh, but yeah, like in terms of like winning cups and stuff um, at the academy level, unfortunately there is no cups until I think under 16s or U16s. Yeah. No. Um, but so yeah. with Kate Breton, that was literally like your first real success. Uh, not exactly because I, I did play non-league. I did play non-league. Um, in yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, so like, uh, I went to a couple of sides in non-league, um, and played some important matches, um, but none of them for a cup or anything. So, but yeah, like Cape Breton is probably my first taste of like continued success. When you were at Cape Breton, did you ha- you wore number twenty-three? Is that right? Yeah. Was there a reason behind that? Just picking numbers before I got there, like I didn't, uh, I actually don't like numbers 1 to 11. I don't know what it is. It's not a superstition or anything. I just don't like, as a winger, I don't like wearing 7 or 11. I don't know what it is. It's just not for me. Um, and, and 7 and 11 was taken before I got there anyway. So uh, I don't know why I just chose number 23. I've stuck with it ever since. So now hopefully I can keep that number. Nice. Uh, it's Beck's number, right? Yeah. Um, not really. There's just something about a number twenty-three. I don't think it's it's it, for me. Like it's not tied to like LeBron or Michael Jordan or anything like that. It's just it's a nice number. I think 
I think it was Jimmy Carragher's number. That's what it is. Uh, oh. <laughs> there we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> not, that is not true. Leave poor Corey alone. He wouldn't do such a thing. He's a true red. Uh, I'm just wondering that he's a Man United fan. I'm wondering his dad is a Man United fan. Otherwise, we'll be like a huge rivalry, probably like family dinner banter or something like that. Uh, my dad's actually an Arsenal fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. how are how are those family dinners on a um, Sunday night? He's not he's not as intense as I am. Like he, <laughs> he's like he watches from a distance, but you know, like I I can always get at him when Arsenal don't play too well. Um, it's gonna spark a little fire in him, but he's not so animated like I am. So, uh, but he's you know he 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 likes Arsenal. That's his thing. But uh, the I think the because we play, me and my brother play so much, it's more about, we don't talk about the results, we talk about like tactical things that happen in the game, and we argue about that more than the actual results. So, um, I think that's nice, yeah. It's not so much an argument, it's more of a, a heated debate. Formations. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't your dad play for Burnley? He did, yeah. I think briefly, yeah. So, how did you feel about that when, like... And he's at Preston now. How does that happen? He's a coach at Preston. He's a coach, yeah. Um, wow. I don't think I was too old when he when he played for Burnley. I can't remember what year that was. Um, but I think the year the year that I was born in 1997, that's when he moved up to Blackpool. He didn't want to live in Blackpool, so he moved to the closest place, which is Preston. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's how that happened. I don't think I remember too much about him being at Burnley, but um, he doesn't talk about Burnley too much. I guess he doesn't work for the Blackpool Tourist Board, does he? No. <laughs> <laughs> First chance he had, he got, he got sticks to get the hell out of there. Um, Corey, thank you so much, man, for taking an hour out of your day. I know, like, uh, you, 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 even though you're just stuck at home, you've got tons more stuff to be doing. So uh, we really look forward to seeing you when the season finally starts. I think you're going to be a bit of a dark horse for everybody. I don't think anybody's going to expect uh, what you're going to bring to the team. So um, thanks a million for, for joining us. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys bring me sunshine in your smile bring me laughter all the while in this world where we live there should be more happiness so much joy you can give to each brand new bright tomorrow make me happy through the years never bring me any tears thank you to Corey and everyone else for joining us this week it was a very insightful look into Corey's football journey We've been really enjoying the Wanderers Q&As with the players. Uh, let's hope they keep that up because it's been awesome so far. Please remember to support your local businesses. If you don't feel like cooking, the Economy Shoe Shop is still doing deliveries, so hit them up. Their food is great. We have our Win It Down The Pub Beer Stein competition happening on our Facebook and on our Instagram account. Make sure to check it out. Hit up our friends at the Armchair Commentary if you want to listen to a North American sports podcast that's based here in Halifax. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Until next time. Cheers. <laughs>